0: Give Jesus around applause I don't know if Jesus would be happy with that one hey before we even go any further can we put a hand together for Sophia Reed who first time officially on the worship team just give us a wave come on come on let's make her feel welcome so good to see the uh, the next generation rise up I was talking to Franco who is our youth pastor here and uh, and CJ uh, was a young Fijian Indian drummer. And, uh, and Franco actually taught him how to drum, and last week and the week before, we've now got another young, I don't know if I'm going to offend him, but a young, he looks like he could be Fijian, Indian, David, uh, rising up as another drummer. It's just a gift that's on Franco's life to raise up young people into uh, worship. Hey, this morning I woke up and I 100% intended to come and preach a message uh, called Raising Your Expectation and, and challenge you in that. And uh, literally, as my eyes opened and I started to give thanks to, to God for the day, he, he challenged my heart around a scripture in Isaiah 1, uh, in fact, and I felt for me, it was a more of a, a direction of the Lord saying, I want you to study this before you preach this word. I'm like, okay, that's a little bit interesting. It's Sunday morning, God uh, kind of prepared a little bit last night for today and so on. I feel like there's a sequence, maybe it's even prophetic for some people in this room. I've already seen it starting to flow through the worship and the words that have come and seeing uh, not teacher Amanda, but pastor Amanda uh, starting to flow in the spirit a little bit. And before we do this, uh, I want to show you a video. I've spoken about it a few times, and and this is not to give fame or accolade to myself, but I believe this speaks into the life of who we are as a church. Uh, because how many of you know as the pastor and the leader of this church when the lord speaks something he's speaking to our community and and i believe this will speak profoundly if you receive this word for yourself especially if you're someone who has been part of our community uh, for any number of time and have known the journey that we've been on and after this we'll get into the word today that i want to share with you so check out the big screen Hopefully, um, you can overcome me praying in tongues in the background as I recorded this, because I only just found it after about a year's uh, time, or maybe six months. The boys are gonna put that up now. No, not that video, the Michael Maiden one. We'll come to that one in a second. Sorry, Dad, you're about to be on show. Turn the video up, the volume up, guys. What's your name, sir?
1: Justin?
0: This is Dr. Michael Maiden.
1: So God thank you for your hand upon just Let me bless him to declare your kingdom over him. And in the name of Jesus, thank you for your great love for him. Thank you, God, for his story, his journey. God, thank you for your, You know what you're doing. You know what you're doing, you know what you're doing, you know what you're doing. God's proud of you. God's proud of you for being strong while your heart was hurt. God's proud of you. For leading people while you were going through a great struggle, okay? Right? Just Feeling broken. But I've heard the Lord say, The season of brokenness ends today. I'm touching your heart, I'm touching your life, I'm touching your family. I'm unwinding things that were bound and set against you. Three hurtful things happened almost simultaneously a perfect storm, false accusation, a betrayal, a family injury or suffering. And all of them had their combined effect of just making you feel wearied and exhausted. I'm strengthening you today, son. I'm not done in your store. Your best seasons are in front of you, not behind you. I'm emptying your heart from the weariness and the woundedness the enemy has tried to fill you with. And you're gonna fill yourself again. And this year that began with so much pain and discouragement will end with so much passion and joy because I'm shifting your seasons. I'm changing your seasons. I'm loosening your life and I'm catching you up. The thief that took from you what was precious to you I've commanded the devil to pay you back. So there is a payback coming from my hand to your hand, from my kingdom to your life. And I will restore what looks like is lost. I will rebuild what was thrown down. And I will fulfill my promise to you. What I said to you these six years ago and that first, uh, first time 11 years ago, I will fulfill everything I said to you. I will keep my word to you because I'm a promise keeper. That's who I am. God could not be more proud of you, young man. You're about to give the devil two big black eyes. You're about to see a massive breakthrough happen. God's not done. You're not in the wrong place. You're not with the wrong people. You're not doing the wrong thing. And everything is about to change for you. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: So we can pull it out there. The reason I wanted to play that is, is one, I've never met Mark, Dr. Michael Maiden. I was sitting on the far right in the, uh, in, in the dark, and I'd come with some questions on my heart, and I didn't need another prophetic word, or maybe because I'm big and bald, I have a habit of just standing out in the crowd. So I went to the side and said, God, if I need a couple of answers here. And well, what Doc, Dr. Michael Maiden said to me there, he said, he said, God's going to fulfill the promises that he made to you 11 years ago and six years ago. 11 years ago, I opened up the book of Isaiah, chapter 58, and the Lord spoke to me about the purpose of being a leader of a community that would feed, clothe, and house. Uh, Not just that, but with the promises of what Isaiah says in the context of true fasting, someone that would lift the yoke off people and also do away with the finger pointing. And I felt specifically the Lord said, not even the finger pointing in society or community, but amongst brothers and sisters in the church, which is essentially what I... Zaya is saying to the Israelite community. And six years ago, I was praying in this foyer, walking back and forth with a good friend of mine, Pastor Mike Barrett. It was 6 a.m. in the morning and we were praying and I felt the Lord say to me in five years or by the end of 2020, as I worked it out, the math that we would be a debt-free church. And, and, and interesting, I have, was privileged to spend some time. We had an amazing time with uh, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown on Thursday night. It was, uh, it was amazing. And uh, if you didn't make it to that, I just want to spend a little bit of time before we get into the Word this morning. Uh, what I loved about that is I actually came uh, not knowing what to expect. Uh, It was awesome that it was raining because about 300 people didn't show up and we had 700 plus people in this auditorium. Uh, The heavens opened and the sides of the auditorium were leaking. So yes, Amanda, you're right. If you're on this side, it's dry. On that side, it might be a little bit damp Uh, and we'll we'll get that sorted. But as Rodney came in, it, it was profound because yes, he taught. Yes, he moved. Yes, he spoke. Yes, he said some truths. Yes, he was a little bit controversial, but I think it was also an impartation of boldness to actually stand up and speak for what we believe in and really beckoning the church that now was the time not to be quiet, especially in Australia. And the third part of that is where the activation began of salvation and then praying for the Holy Ghost on a usual perspective, and God really did something in my heart in this moment, and I think for a lot of people, I just expected it was time to push all the chairs out of the auditorium, we would blow up, but after he prayed for the Holy Spirit and the fire of God to come on people, then they began to do a transition into teaching people how to win souls. And I know I was one of many people who raised my hand to say, yep, on a daily basis, I will go after salvation. It was on the day after we went to a car yard. I was with Pastor Kent sitting across the counter from a young man, just started probing him. What are you doing on Sunday? Where are you from? What do you do? And we invited him to church and just with that heart of activation. And I say all that to say, I believe the fulfillment of the promise that God has spoken over my life and the destiny and the promise that he's spoken over this church is going to come when we get back to a childlike faith. I preached this message and I'm going to come back to it again tonight because this is, if you will, not just the young adult community, but this is a community that I feel that God wants to get a message across to. See, some of us have had children leave home, some of us have never had children, some of us have actually had our childhood stolen away from us in the context of we've had to grow up too early. Some of us have just felt like we've had to be the big brother or the big sister because there's 11 of us. Uh, Jackie, who owns Holy Grounds downstairs, I think she's one of 16 children, and she says how she remembers there's a little girl, a little Kiwi girl on the farm being out there with her dad, not with a fence-posting machine because they didn't have it back in those days. Not implying that she's old, but in those days in New Zealand. New Zealand was slow, although they are... Anyway, and they used to put... They used to put posts in the ground and she remembers that being out there with her dad learning how to use tie wire. And I feel like the mandate or the mission that God has really assigned me with this morning is to remind some people of what it is to have a childlike faith. We're going to turn in the scripture in just a moment to Matthew chapter 18, verse three and four. But as God spoke to me about this, something interesting happened last Saturday, and you already got a highlight to it. Let me apologize to my dad beforehand, but check out the big screen for this video. I might narrate through it. It only goes for about 40 seconds. So that's my beautiful daughter. She will be Miss Australia one day. That's Hunter. Hunter. I'm going to put a bubble around him and keep him close to me because he's getting in trouble. It's my little honor. Oh she's two. You can turn the volume up if it's there. And, and that's uh, that's Grandpa Stephanie. This is his backyard. And we, uh, we were going to go to the pool or the beach, but I decided it was easier to keep them within the four walls and, and get my grandparents or my parents to help me look after them.
1: Hey,
0: after I don't know if don't you, you noticed that grandpa here. lying in the public water. Uh, no, just the regular next one. Next to his two-year-old niece or granddaughter.
1: He's coming! Come on, Anna. Come here! Come here! Come to pop! There we go! Okay, he's gonna come by. Here he comes! Here comes! He's gonna slide! Woo, He went by! Here comes Macy! Here comes Macy! Oh, there
0: we go! So as I stood there recording this and I watched this scenario play out, it's interesting because up until maybe a couple of minutes before, Grandad was all dry and he was standing at the back and it was at the point where I handed my two-year-old a hose and I said, squirt Grandad or squirt Popper, as we call him and she just had this smile on her face and she just started squirting my dad. And in that moment, I watched my dad go from just standing back, being the granddad, to actually getting involved in the scenario, getting into uh, uh, the action, if you will. You would have seen a swing set there, and I think partly because he's retired, he's American, he's a builder, and he probably gets bought. Uh, He built a swing set for the kids, and when we go over there, my dad and Hunter are the first ones outside, and my dad gets involved, my wife freaks out. Chrissy, I'm sorry, we'll talk about this later, but I can see her as Hunter starts climbing up this swing set and he's playing, pulling. My dad's made a rope that's interchangeable, that when you're climbed up the top, you can pull it out and put it in. It's like it's like ninja warrior for two-year-olds, which probably isn't legal in Australia. But I say all that to say this: the scripture says in Matthew chapter 18, verses 3 and 4, Jesus is speaking to the disciples of the apostles, should we say? And they're having a discussion about who is the greatest, who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And he says this, and he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know, there's a difference between being a childlike or a child and being childish childish would pretty much be depicted by stupidity as an adult, being immature, just being silly. But being childlike is having the ability to imagine. We've quoted many times from this platform that even Shane Willard is the one who taught me this fact, we don't die when we stop breathing, we die when we stop imagining. Uh, To be childlike is to be someone that can imagine, uh, that can position themselves in places even far beyond where they're at now so in order for me to stand up here, I see it now to preach you a message to say, raise your expectation. In order to raise our expectation to believe for something in the future, we actually have to get ourselves back to a place of childlikeness, so that we can fix our minds and we can actually see the very things that God has promised for us in the future. It's interesting because an in application speaking around just some points in this scripture Jesus mentions he says uh, to become the greatest in the kingdom of heaven or they say who is going to become the greatest in the kingdom of heaven kingdom ultimately is defined as the king's sovereign domain or dominion on earth I heard it said like this dominion in Genesis in the garden of Eden actually the same word is kingdom dominion and kingdom in the Hebrew. So Adam didn't lose space. He actually lost the kingdom or the dominion when he sinned against God. So if we move forward from that place, we ultimately now understand what Jesus was teaching when he introduced this, this, this level of intimacy in the Lord's Prayer that we've been speaking about specifically in the nights over the last few weeks. I think essentially what Jesus is doing as he's talking to the disciples, he's reintroducing intimacy with God for once upon a time that was open for everyone and is now today, but because of what Adam did in the garden, he lost his dominion, so he lost his access to the kingdom, which put up a war, but Jesus' blood shed on the cross where he died and where he rose again actually paved the way for anyone who calls on that name, the name of Jesus, who is a name above every other name. I want to unpack this for a few minutes, and I want to give you four thoughts on what it is to actually get back to being childlike. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught this, and we've gone over this a few times. Interesting, because the disciples said, Jesus, teach us how to pray in Luke 11. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 10, similar context, different version, obviously Matthew speaking to a Jewish community, he says, this then is how you should pray. O oh, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done as on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to pause there and I'm going to recap something that we've spoken about a lot over the last couple of weeks. Again, through my teaching and my studying out, it's, it's simple when you come down to it. Father, essentially to the culture that Jesus was speaking to, when you pray, pray, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. The word father ultimately meant supplier. So when Jesus was teaching the disciples, he was saying, guys, when you pray to God and you want to walk in power, you want to see the dunamis, you want to enter into the things of heaven, understand that you're not just praying to a God that's far off. You're actually play, praying to God who is father, who is the supplier. He then went on to talk about what heaven means. Heaven and the, the context of this scriptural is plural, meaning multiple. Most people would say defining of three. I love what Shane Willard, he puts a language to it and he says, well, if if heaven is heavens and Jesus is teaching us to pray to the Father, then how do we pray to the Father? There becomes an issue of proximity. But if you understand that heavens in the context of the Holy Spirit now is closer than the air that we breathe, as we heard from Amanda, can reside in us and rest upon us, then the proximity issue of a distant, faraway God all of a sudden is squashed. And now our revelation, our mind's eye, the transforming and the renewing of our mind takes place with an understanding that God is actually present with us. To go on, he says, Hallowed be thy name. So my Father, who is a supplier in the heavens, which is closer than the air that I breathe, hallowed be thy name. I believe the reason the Lord stopped me from preaching a message this morning about raising your expectation, leading me to Isaiah 1, is because there are different dimensions of heaven that we can go to. In other words, the courtroom and the throne room. And to be honest, I wouldn't be able to do justice or deliver a theological explanation but when you look at the context of Isaiah going into the courts of heaven and he's standing and he sees the seraphim and they're covering themselves and they're saying holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty the words excuse the paraphrase that Isaiah says is I'm not even worthy of being in this place And then the angel went and took the coal and it touched his lips. And out of the place of being in the courtroom or in the throne room, having his lips touched, then out of the place where God said, Who will go and be my messenger? prior to the, the coal touching Isaiah's lips, he felt disqualified. In factually in, factually, in factually in fact he was probably disqualified. But the moment he had a heavenly encounter and the coal touched his lips, he was actually then qualified. And now we read the book of Isaiah as one of the greatest revivalists of all time. So when we understand that that we've actually can go into the courtrooms and we can plead cases that stand legally against us. Yes, the blood of Jesus is the tool that we use. And then we step into a place of pleading and praying and declaring for expectancy. The bridge and the proximity issue has actually been dealt with. Seeing the kingdom of heaven manifesting in our worlds is possible. It's not just a Sunday context that a pastor will stand on a stage and talk about. It's actually attainable. As I sat with Pastor Kent, with Dr. Rodney for two hours in this Adidas jumpsuit in the Hilton, and he just talked and he just bled. It was souls, it was souls, it was souls. And everything I knew up until that point, in fact, the encounter I had with the Holy Ghost, the second encounter I had with the manifest presence, the baptism of the Holy Ghost in 2006 in Nexus Church as a drug addict in a rehabilitation program as Dr. Rodney didn't know who he was, didn't know why I was there. In fact, I didn't even want to be in the meeting. I just got told I got to go to Brisbane because I'm part of this community group. Got baptized with the manifest presence of the Holy Ghost. My connotation with Rodney Howard Brown or the anointing that rests on him as it's just Holy Ghost meetings all the time. But my eyes were open to a glimpse of it's so much more than just about getting a good touch. It's so much more than just Shundalambabam bombing on a Sunday or getting a touch in the prayer tower. I'm all for that. But there must be a manifest transformation in your world on a Monday, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, on a Thursday, on a Friday. Literally as I got home and I was trying to sleep at 1am on Wednesday, Thursday night, I was lying there and I was aware of the commitment that I made that every day I'm going to go after one soul for Jesus, for the kingdom. And naturally, as a pastor, we think that anyway. And God just started lining people up. I was literally thinking, Jack, who works at the car yard, another gentleman who works at the car yard, another gentleman, these are the people I'm going to engage today. God, give me a divine opportunity and a little bit of Dutch courage, if you will, to actually stand up and just declare your name. transitioning now to four thoughts on what it is to be childlike. You can marry this all together later. I'm sure we'll get there and you'll be blessed. To be childlike, understanding that the kingdom of heaven is actually closer than the air that we breathe and God wants to pour out on you. Children have an ability to be excited over the tiniest thing. Let me say this, that we take for granted. It was the other day I was walking back from the pool and Hunter jumped onto his BMX that we were gifted and he said, Dad, on the way to the pool, is this a BMX? He's asked me three times. I'm like, dude, it's a BMX. What, how, how much more? I said, a mountain bike has gears. Uh, this is a BMX. It was Timu's bike. We got gifted it. And I'm like, it's an awesome bike. He said, Dad, can we clean it up and polish it? I was lazy. I'm like, no, we'll do it later. Uh, but we went to the pool. And as we got back from the pool, he said, he said, Dad, hold on. He put his goggles on the side. He gave me his towel. Uh, and then we were there. And it was almost like I disappeared out of the scene. And we only live probably 300 meters from the pool. And his little hand went down, and he went, and then started pedaling as fast as he could down the street. And I watched him as he was on his BMX bike going, vroom, 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 and I could hear the sound effects coming. See, he was excited. He wasn't on a motorbike, but he was excited that he was on a bike, and he had fun. He turned what was a mundane situation of being wet, going home, having a shower, into an exciting time of being, I wonder... What we've just dulled down in our lives that God's actually put there to be exciting, uplifting and encouraging moments. A lot of the time we dictate what is exciting for us based on our mood. Based on what's going on during the week as Amanda said. Remember we've spoken about this over the last couple of weeks. Acts chapter 16 verse 25 about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. See, what that part of the scripture doesn't tell you is at the beginning of the day, they woke up and they probably had a Holy Ghost prayer meeting. The two of them went out and They'd had enough, Paul had enough of a fortune to tell a girl that walked around behind them saying that these men are are men of God and he rebuked the demon and she came out and her caretakers or her slave drivers, if you will, they they, they grabbed Paul and they grabbed Silas and, and they took them in front of the crowd. They stripped them naked, they beat them with rods and then they threw them into the innermost part of the cell. And at midnight, the same very day in the same context of having a good day, but then a very, very, very bad day. And then an even worse day because they were in the innermost part of the cell. They made a decision that they would get excited about Jesus, regardless of the circumstances that were going on around them. And I love what the Bible says. It says, suddenly all of the chains came off, all of the cells flew open. I wonder if we just got a little bit excited about Jesus in the midst of our circumstances and we came a little bit more childlike and allowed ourselves just to praise Him, even though our mind's going, I've got to pay the bills, I've got to pay the school fees, I've got to pay the mortgage, I've got to do this, I've got this diagnosis, I've got this prognosis. Does any of that mean anything? Is it going to mean anything in the next hundred years? No, because we're all going to be seated in the throne room of God having a mighty feast. The second thought for you is children have this ability to be confident, and not just confident on their own, but more confident when they're attached to their dad or they're attached to their mum. See my little girl, she's cheeky, she's two, her name's Honor, and Honor in our house, the one worry that we have is she always runs to the top of the stairs, they're carpeted on, probably a little bit more lenient than Chrissy. But whenever I hear two sets of footprints, one adult and one child, I know my wife is chasing Honor to the stairs because Honor's trying to run away from Mum. But she always gets to the stairs and then she starts to like slow down because she's actually waiting for Mum to catch up and it's a game. But there are times where I'll catch up to Honor on the staircase and I'll grab her hand and I'll start walking. She doesn't take one or two steps. She actually leaps. She takes like four steps. See, there's something that happens that when you walk in intimacy with God and you have the ability to be childlike and the ability to get excited about the most little thing and you're aware that He is actually closer than the air that you breathe and you walk out this lifestyle, not just on a Sunday when you're at church, when you understand you're attached to God, the confidence factor or the faith factor that you have actually enlarges to a capacity. And I'd put to you, some of us in this room probably need to get back to that place of bigger faith, bigger confidence, because you need to remind yourself of who you're attached to. Yes. He's closer than the air that I breathe. I will never leave you nor forsake you, he says. Amen. I love this. Then they called them again and commanded in Acts four eighteen 18 to 20. They commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. This is Peter and John. But they replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you? or to him. In other words, should we listen to you, or should we listen to God? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. In the statement just before this, in the book of Acts chapter 4, the council had pulled away because they'd seen someone healed. They acknowledged that Peter and John were just simple, probably fishermen, and it was probably evident by their language and their misinterpretation of English and all the Hebrew, Greek, whatever it is. But there was something that that, that, that set them apart, that they were just normal. But they performed a miracle and they were preaching this amazing story or message or, or, or truth or good news maybe about Jesus. And in their circle, they discussed it and they got to a point where they said, these men, they're just ordinary, non-learned men. But what's different about them is they've been with Jesus. I love that the fact that they'd been with Jesus identifies that they then had the confidence to go against what the rest of the world was telling them to say and to stand up and declare the very thing that they knew that Jesus Christ was the son of God and that they wouldn't shift their focus. They wouldn't shift their language. They wouldn't shift their views. They wouldn't shift their perspective. And that they would actually speak out and not be quiet. Philippians, Paul introduces the letter. He says, I thank God every time I remember you. and all of my prayers for all of you, I thank, excuse me, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now, remember, Paul's writing from jail. In verse 6, he says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The third thought that I have for you, and there'll be one more. Children are willing to risk and to imagine, often beyond the capacity that adults are. When was the last time you took a risk with something, knowing that God was with you? When was the last time you allowed yourself to imagine going to a faraway place? As I was driving to breakfast, I was thinking, gosh, I almost Googled 10 questions to ask a visiting preacher because I just just wanted to sit next to Rodney Howard Brown and catch the anointing, not because of the man but because he's significantly, we watched 40 years of what he's doing, the millions and millions of souls that he's touching, the millions of dollars that have gone into the world to benefit people that that are far less worse off than us. And as I sat there, I thought about the video that I played. I'm like, Dr. Rodney, God told me by the end of 2020 that we would be a debt-free church. Have you got any advice or any tips? I'm not going to tell you what he told me. But I'm telling you, i even, you could ask Chrissy, I've been like the last th- three days just from asking the question, from dreaming, from imagining again. It's, it's like this, the, these, these things are coming alive in me, they're just dreams beyond what I could ever dream. And I want to tell you that when you allow God into the circumstance that you're believing for or, or what you're willing to take a risk for or maybe even imagine for, God is the one who will come through. I've heard it said. I don't know if I always agree, it's, if it's God's will, it's God's bill because sometimes we put our will in the place and we call it it's God's will. But we, if it's scriptural based, then we know we can move forward with it, right? In Acts chapter 8, verses 26, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road. You've got to understand this. Philip's having a barbecue. He's cooking up some, some fine porterhouse steaks. And that night, the angel of the Lord comes and speaks to him. He he could have just stayed. He could have been diverted. He, He could have just thought, no, that's just a voice in my head. That wasn't really an angel that appeared to me. It wasn't really the angel of the Lord. But no, Philip did this. He said, go to the road south of the desert that goes down to Jerusalem. I love this. So he started out. He didn't wait. He didn't go into seven days of prayer and fasting. He heard, he had a confirmation, he understood that Jesus taught that the kingdom of God was applicable to him and that he could manifest because he was a co heir with the kingdom of God and that when he heard God say, go and do this, then he was willing to leave my lamb chops, leave my barbecue, leave the fries, I'm sure the Lord's not going to make a forest fire, whatever the case may be. So he started out and went on his way and he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told him, go up to the chariot and stay near to him. The story goes on and for the sake of time, I can't read it all, but essentially, because of his act of obedience and willingness to get up, he caught up. God positioned him in a place where someone at just the right time was just hungry enough And actually reading scripture, trying to understand it. And because of Philip's obedience and willingness to go with and take a risk with Jesus, he then saw this Ethiopian eunuch not just understand scripture, but then be water baptized and then take back to his country and essentially introduce the kingdom of God to his country. I've told you many times about a young man by the name of Jake who I met on the street out in the corner. He still messages me over Christmas. Hey, I'm with my family. It's the first time I caught up with my family for six years. Long story short, the story goes I went to the gym, came out of the gym, saw a young man, which I thought was homeless and surface here, sleeping, looking into a window. Thought, he's sleeping, he's all right. Holy Spirit said, go back. Again, willing to take a risk. God, I know that you. Go back, I'm like, I looked at him. What am I going to do? Pizza shop. Went to the pizza shop. Bought a pizza. Bought a big slice of pizza. Bought an upsized Coke. Don't ever downsize when God tells you to do something. Could have been canned, but I got him a big Coke. And I said, excuse me, man. Uh, I just tapped him on the shoulder. I said, I just felt to give you this. And he turned around and he's tattoos on his neck. And, and But probably the most polite young man I've spoken to in a long time. Why, thank you so much. Wow, I was actually really hungry, and I'm really encouraged. And when he turned around, I thought, you don't look like the usual suspect that should be on the street. And I shared with you that he then contacted me later and now comes into our cafe. In fact, he's done work experience with Jackie downstairs in the cafe. And last week, Sunday night, I shared a photo you'll see come up behind. This is him now at the Apple Store in Rabina. Someone told me this screen is worth a million dollars. But his art is so significant when he went in and showed them, they said, hey, can you do that on our big screen and show people? So while he's in there on display, and I don't take credit for that, I don't know, but I'm just saying if you're willing to take a risk... There's no limitation for what God wants to do. And I want to tell you this. When he told me at the cafe, he said, Justin, you're not going to see me around for a while. I'm going down to see my family. I haven't seen them for like six years since I've been to India and I've been on the streets. He's actually an IT genius, but just had a little bit of a struggle. As I sat back and walked back to my office, I thought, wow, God, just one interaction has caused him to now reunite with his family cause them to be used in bigger ways. I want to tell you, if you take a risk, and remember, it's not just all about a risk for me. How is my kingdom going to grow? And I love that's what Dr. Rodney imparted and is imparting on his whole tour, that yes, it's one thing to be baptized in the fire of the Holy Ghost, but the baptism of the fire of the Holy Ghost, the anointing of God, the river of God, is all to give you an impartation so that, one, you can love God more, and then you would love other people just as you love yourself. The last thought that I have for you, and excuse my passion. I heard this, I don't know in what context, but it makes and fits right here. To love constant is to see constant. Any mother in this room, any father in this room with a child would know that when you walk into a room, especially with a kid at a young age, they're going to grab onto your leg, they're going to hold tight. If a stranger walks up, they're going to look straight to you. That's what my little daughter did this morning. I was standing next to her praying. Someone walked up. She looked straight at Dad. Why? Because there's constant relationship. There's constant intimacy. Intimacy. She is constantly looking at me. We are called to be children that would constantly look at God. That's why when Jesus taught them, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven what he was doing was introducing the fact that his life and his blood was going to be the shedding of something that actually we didn't have access to but at the moment of the shedding of the blood the dominion aspect of entering into eden or or, or the king's domain was actually dealt with And from that point forward, it was purely a human decision whether we believe that he was the son of God or not. And from that point forward, as we make a decision to follow Jesus, not only do we step out of the things of the world or the old life, what we do is we actually step into the benefits that come from being uh, found in the identity of Christ and the son of God. Babies and infants love their parents because they constantly are gazing at them when you're a child you know the smell of your mum's skin when they we had Hunter I describe it as he was like a raisin dipped in condensed milk and the nurse turned around after she wiped him off a little bit she's like alright take off your shirt last week I said my abs blinded everyone in the hospital room but not anymore <laughs> I'm joking But when they put him on me, like there was just something that shifted. One thing that shifted, it went from, hey, this is all about me and Chrissy. We're getting like something cool. It's like we're getting a new car or a new phone or a new toy to, oh my gosh, what have we done? (laughs) We've we've got a responsibility. This is precious. This is like, wow. Uh, And the second thing that happened in that moment, even we've had our aircon break and I shared that the other week, pretty shallow. But in the house that we're living in, because of the way the sun, it gets so hot. And one room's upstairs with a little aircon and one room's downstairs with a little aircon. So we take turns. One, I usually sleep with Hunter and Chrissy sleeps with the babies and Honor until she's had enough of getting up at 4am with Honor and then we switch. But the other night I was lying in bed with Hunter and finally got him to go to sleep His mum didn't know but we were watching youtube it was awesome and he's lying there looking at me and his mouth sort of open he's lost a tooth but i'm still looking at him and i'm like man it's my son like i was just staring at him and in that moment i'm like i could have just store a store store stared stare, stare. i could have continued gazing at him all night long, and in that moment, I'm like, man, I love him so much. I love him so much. I love him so much. I see him all the time. Sometimes he's a rascal, and sometimes he gets the rod of discipline. Take that off the screen, but it's good for him. But I love him so much. I want to close with this story and this thought for you in the Bible and the scriptures. And in fact, I think it's one Samuel chapter. Five. David has just become the king of Israel, Jerusalem and the Philistines had heard that he'd become the king most of you would know this story and it says that David 1 Samuel chapter 5 verses 19 essentially they came and so David went and he inquired of the Lord he said, should we go out against them and David said, yeah, yeah well God said, go out against them so David, came, so David said to the Lord, shall I go out and fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord replied to David, yes, go ahead, and I will certainly hand them over to you. If we jump down to verse 20 in the Amplified, it says, So David came to Bel-Parazim, excuse my translation, and he defended, sorry, defeated them. And there he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. So we named the plays Bell Belperazim, Master of Breakthroughs. And I feel like I just need to declare over someone today, what would it be like if you actually went back to a childlike faith in this adult body that we had? What would it be like? Let's just recap. What would it be like if you were someone that had the ability to get excited over the most smallest thing again? that you actually are taking granted for? What would it be like if you actually walked with the confidence, not thinking that God is distant or far away, but knowing that he's closer than the air that you breathe? What would your life look like if you actually took a few more risks knowing that you're attached to dad? What would it look like if you actually imagined and expanded far beyond just what's happening today and tomorrow and the bill that you got to pay on Friday? What would happen if you started to plan the end of the year and your celebrations in the midst of your turmoil and struggle now what would happen if you started to look at him again with an intimacy that didn't just come on a Sunday morning with scriptures on the back screen I'll tell you what would happen one you would love him so much more two the intimacy that you would walk with wouldn't be something that needed to be conjured up in a worship song It would simply be in that moment, I'm aware by faith, God, that you are here. Whether I can feel the goosebumps or I'm speaking in tongues or not, God, I know that you're with me. I'll tell you what will happen out of that place. God will put people on your heart. God will identify. God will show you. In fact, God won't just stand back and say, hey, that person in that crowd, that person in that crowd, that person over there, go and talk. Every person becomes a target because you are now walking with the sensation of the love of Jesus. I feel like God is calling us as a community to lift our expectation, but I believe in order for us to lift our expectation and actually live in that place on a consistent level, it's going to take for us to become childlike again.